0: From Cross Culture Church in Raleigh, this is Crosswalk. We're in the last chapter of First Peter in our series Building on the Basics. Pastor Clay is taking us through four expectations that God has for His sheep, picking up where we left off last week. We're so glad you've joined us for this important message from First Peter, chapter five, verses five through fourteen. Now here's Pastor Clay.
1: And as we come to the end of uh, First Peter, the first letter that Peter wrote, he wrote two letters. Uh, as we come towards the end, the fifth chapter. Uh, we, If you've been coming to this, you know that uh, uh, basically all of chapter 5 is predicated on a statement that he makes at the end of chapter 4. I've brought it up, I think, every week. Y'all probably got it memorized by now. But 1 Peter chapter 4, verse 17. Would you say it with me? For it is time for judgment to begin with the household of God. That's how... Right towards the end of chapter four, Peter winds that up, and then he moves straight into chapter five. In the first four verses, he deals with pastors slash elders slash. Bishop, whatever you want to call them, that the terms are synonymous, and we, we looked at that. But he, he walks through what their responsibilities are, what their expectations are, and, and, and what God wants them to do. And then in verse 5 and following, and that's where we still are, are working, he moves into uh, the, the, the body of Christ. And he's drawing this analogy. He's, he refers to the pastor as the shepherd. He refers to the body of Christ as the sheep. He's using that analogy of shepherd and sheep and how they work uh, so well together, and the relationship they have, and the love they have, and that's how it should be between, between pastors, and, and, and the body of Christ, the church, and all that kind of thing. And so, uh, we started diving into some of the expectations, really, that God has for the sheep. And uh, that's, that's, that's the body of Christ. And so, here's what we looked at real quickly uh, last week. We started with this idea. Uh, first, the first thing that Peter jumps into is to submit do what your pastors ask you to do. First part of verse 5, it said this, it said, you younger men, we walk through that, you can go back and listen to it, but contextually, he's, he's not necessarily talking about age, he's really not necessarily talking about age, although there may be a correlation, but he's talking about younger in a, in a spiritual sense, that, that you may be younger, spiritually speaking, you may be younger uh, than those who are serving as your pastors, that that would make sense. You'd think that pastors are supposed to be spiritually mature. So those of you that are younger in your faith, so to speak, likewise, be subject to your elders. Not not age-wise, but the, the elders of the church. So there's this idea of submission. We talked about it. It's, it's not a word that's well-liked in this culture, but, it, it, but it, it's just the reality of what it is. And I remind you this, uh, I brought this verse up every week too, but I want you to see it again and understand that, that although there are, you know, pastors can, can mess up like anybody, and, and some of them can really get off track and all that kind of stuff, but for the most part, your pastors have your best interests at heart. They love you and they desire the best for you, as it says in Hebrews, uh, Hebrews chapter 13. Uh, the writer of Hebrews picking up on the same idea, obey or submit, obey your leader, spiritual leaders. Do what they say. Their work is to watch over your souls. Their work is to watch over your souls. That's some pretty heavy stuff. And they are accountable to God. That's even heavier. <laughs> uh, give them reason to do this with joy, not with sorrow. That would certainly not be uh, for your uh, benefit. So please understand that, that while Pastors are in, imperfect, and I, get, I listed last week uh, some reasons that why you wouldn't submit. That you wouldn't submit if, if a pastor, or an elder of a church, or whatever, were asking you to do something that didn't line up with Scripture. They're asking you to do something unbiblical, you would, you would, nah, no, no. If I ask you to uh, to fund the fund the Clay Stevens uh, Maserati, um, Cle- <laughs> no, you don't don't do that. Okay, that's I'm on my own with the Maserati. So. I don't even know anything about Maseratis. I just I don't I don't know. Uh, anyway, so th- those would be an exception. You would, but otherwise, understand that, that, that they really have their best interests at heart. So, so whether it's in one-on-one counseling, whether it's in a, in a small group setting, whether it's uh, up in, in a larger group setting, and, and, and a pastor standing up here and, and, uh, and communicating God's word to you, understand that their heart's desires for you. And, and if they and when they tell you, um, don't go in this direction, or, or turn away from that, or, or get. Uh, more involved. It, please understand that it, that it's that it's because they have your best interests at heart, and and your your reaction should be to to follow them. And say, hey, that's what the pastor says to do. That's what we ought to do. Last uh, week, just you know, we had a Super Bowl party, and uh, going out the door, uh, Marsha Zielinski, you know, her and Rocky were going to come over, and uh, and I think she, I don't remember. She said, should I bring something or whatever? And I said, you had to bring an appetizer. And I said, um, uh, bring uh, bring uh, pot pie. Because if you've ever had Marsha's pot she like, make, make like the best pot pie in the whole world. And, you know, and I was just, you know, I was just joking. You, bring, you know, he brings a pot pie as an appetizer. She brings me a pot pie. She, and she said, she said, you said, you stood up there this morning and said, to, to do, obey your pastors and do what they tell you to do. So, so she brought me the best, best pot pie in the. <laughs> so anyway, uh, that's the first, first. Thing that that, uh, that the sheep are, are called to do here in verse five. Second, uh, it, we looked at this, and he says, uh, "Serve, do what others need you to do." Others meaning, meaning uh, specifically the body of Christ in general. It, it would apply to all people. But look what he says in the latter part of verse five: "And all of you, clothe yourselves with humility toward one another." Look, look at what he's saying. For God is opposed to the proud, but He gives grace. To the humble. So there's this idea that you and I humble ourselves before each other, thinking of the other person, and I gave that definition of what humility was, thinking of that other person as more important than you are, they're not better, we're all the same. You understand what I'm saying? But that, that, that I, can, I can look at, at Chris Wall and say, what does Chris need? How can I minister to Chris? And, and Chris can, can look at Ashley Vaughn and say, what is Ashley, how can I help Ashley Vaughn? It's that idea of the body serving the body. You, you get it? And, and, I, and I, real quickly, I just mentioned three reasons uh, why we do that. And the first was for the good of the body, that, that the body is blessed, the, the body is productive, the body is healthy uh, when, when the body is serving the body. Uh, second, uh, for the blessing from God. That's specifically what Peter says. He says, God is opposed. If, if your pride won't let you, if you think your schedule is more important than somebody else's, if you think your, your time or you don't have, you know, you can't, if you think that's what it is, not only do you not experience God's blessing, you actually will face God's opposition in your life because you're going contrary to what his expectation is for the body of Christ. And then third, for the witness to the world. That, that you, you guys know this. Most people have ulterior motives for why they do. Uh, even when they go dig wells in Somalia, it's, it's, for some reason it, it, makes, it makes us feel better to know that we provided some type of thing to, to know that there's a group of people that have no ulterior motive other than they just want to minister to each other. It's a very powerful thing in the world around us. So those were two of the expectations that God has for the sheep. Remember, it's time for judgment to begin with who? Household of God. Submit Serve. Third, here we go this morning. Surrender. Do what God expects us to do. I want to read uh, verses uh, 6 and 7 to you this morning. Therefore, humble yourselves under the mighty hand of God, that he may exalt you at the proper time, casting all your anxiety on him, because he cares for you. Yes, good. This is now the third time in a very short span that Peter mentions the need for humility, the need to humble ourselves toward one another. And then now this idea of, of humility, humbling ourselves toward God, humbling ourselves in the sense of placing ourselves under, as Peter describes, this mighty hand of God. You know what I have discovered, at least in my own life? It's hard for us to humble ourselves at times. It's hard to be humble. And I'm not necessarily referring to, you know, you know braggadocious, oh, look at me, I'm so gra-. I'm not, not necessarily that. But it's just the idea that, 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 that I come to the end of myself and realize that there's nothing I can do about there's nothing I can do to fix this, that I'm completely at the mercy of God and, and what His plans and purposes are for my life. Too. It is hard for us to humble ourselves. And you, you that little phrase there, he says, humble yourselves. You'll see that in the text, humble yourselves. In the original language that the New Testament was written in, in, in Greek, it is an imperative verb. It's a verb, obviously, but it's an imperative. So it is essentially a command. God is commanding us to, to walk in humility. But, a little technical, but uh, it, it, this, this verb is in what is referred to as a passive form. Which means that it's not... It's not necessarily you trying to be more humble. It's God humbling you. It's God humbling you. Now, listen, 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 listen. Let's be honest. That's scary, isn't it? That's scary because we don't because we don't know, right? We don't know what he'll do. We don't know what he'll do. We don't know what he'll bring into our lives. What what he would what he would know what he would need to do to bring into our lives that would bring us to a place of absolute. Uh, emptiness of ourselves, to humble ourselves. It scares us to death the thought that that God might do something in my life. But listen, at its core, the, the idea of humbling ourselves under God's mighty hand simply, simply means this. To surrender. To surrender you. To surrender all of you. Every ounce of energy that you have Every second of your day, every breath that you take, every resource that you have, every dream, plan, purpose, everything completely, utterly, totally, recklessly abandoned to Him. That's really what it means to surrender yourself, to place yourself under God's mighty hand. So that when, so that when the, the stuff of life comes into your life, the idea, see, humility, what this really is about, this is really a faith issue. This is about really believing, am I going to trust God or am I going to try and work this out or fix this or, or do the best I can or, or somehow kind of, or am I willing to humble myself under God's mighty hand that he may lift me up, that he may make provision, that he may take care of it. Who am I going to trust, me or him? That's what it means to humble myself, to surrender completely, totally, to Him. Uh, this is several years ago. Uh, I, was, I was pastoring in another church, and we had a team uh, that was getting ready to go out and do some mission work in uh, Malaysia and Cambodia. And the day that the team was scheduled uh, to leave, the uh, the person that was heading up that team. Um, found himself in the emergency room with severe abdominal pain. Uh, It it turns out that he was having a a gallbladder attack. He's uh, scheduled to be at the uh, airport at 2.30 to prepare for the flight to leave. At 12.30, he's still laying in the ER. Now, what you have just created is the perfect scenario to stress and worry and be anxious, right? Oh my goodness, what, what, what about all the months of planning? What about the teaching that I'm supposed to do? What about the cost of my airline takes? What about all those people that I've convinced to go with me on this trip who have never even been out of this country, who are scared to death? What, what, what happens if I can't go? What happens if I can't be with them? What this, this is the opportunity, folks, to find out what you really, really, really believe. You understand what I'm saying? That's when you find out what you really believe. Well, if I can work out this, or maybe I could do that, or at some point you have to say, the God who created my gallbladder is perfectly capable of taking care of this. He knows what this is about. He knows what's going on. Yeah, but, but what about what, what if it's the devil? What is the devil? What if the devil is trying to, to keep him from going on that trip because he wants to make the, the trip a complete disaster and fall apart and, and, uh, and people get over there and get lost and never come back from Cambodia, and, and, and maybe, that, maybe that's what he wants. It may very well be what he wants. But I'm going to let you in on a little secret right here: that if you will get a hold of this, it will change your life when it comes to your circumstances and adversity in your life. You ready? Here it is. It doesn't make any difference where the events and circumstances of your life come from. It only matters where you place them. I, listen, I, I, I have known so many people that are consumed with, well, why did this happen the way it did? Or, or, or what caused that to happen? Or, or how come that person did this? Or, or, or how, how is this possibly going to... Listen, none of that will change any of that. The only thing that matters is where you place it. Are you willing to place it under the mighty hand of God and say that my God is big enough, my God is strong enough, and my God cares enough to handle this situation in my life? That's what he's calling us to do. That's what it means to surrender, to put all of it, all of it, all of it into his hands. When I had my uh, motorcycle accident here about a year and a half ago, um, the, the lady that hit, hit me, uh, and a lot of you know this, the lady that hit me was texting uh, while she was driving. She didn't get a scratch on her. Uh, she was uh, charged with a failure to stop and uh, using an electronic device while operating a motor vehicle. When she went to court, they plea bargained down and dropped the, the texting charge. She pled guilty to failure to stop, paid a $25 fine, and walked away and Cindy's life and mine will never be the same never listen listen if we let it that kind of stuff can consume us the injustice of it all the inequity of a situation like the seemingly foul play that went on here that 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 she walks away she goes right on joins her country club and does all this stuff and and she's just fine with her life and all this has happened to me, it's those moments in your life where you have to decide either God has this or God doesn't have this. Either I can give it to him or I can't give it to him. Uh, at one point during the, uh, at, at the accident scene, uh, Steve Pierce, who was uh, her along with Ed Alexander, riding with me that day. Uh, Steve said that she came over and kind of leaned in and said, is he going to be okay? Is he going to be okay? I got bones sticking out of my leg. Everything from the knee down is broken or crushed. My shoulder is shattered. My pinky finger apparently looks like it's gone through a meat grinder. And I'm at a level of pain that to this day I cannot describe. And she asks, are you going to be okay? Is he going to be okay? Yeah. He's going to be just fine. We're going to be just fine. Because our God is big enough. Our God is able to handle anything And everything, listen to me, listen to me, listen to me. Your God is big enough to handle your past, to handle your present, and to handle your future. He's big enough. He's strong enough. He cares enough. The question then becomes, are we willing to place it under his mighty hand? Are you willing to do that? Can you say that? Can you say... That I have surrendered all to God. And listen, before you give me some little, well, uh, none of us, you know, are totally surrendered to God every minute of the day. But but but, I, but I'm doing my best or, or I'm trying my best. Listen, uh-uh, no. You know what that is? That's false humility and God won't accept it. It's a straight up, plain enough, yes or no question. Have you surrendered everything to God have you surrendered your life your days your family your 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 relational issues have you have you surrendered your your children have you surrendered your career and your job have you surrendered your your finances have you surrendered your your issues with this person have you surrendered it all to God that's what he's expecting of our lives Instead of thinking, well, well, maybe if I, if I did this, or if I just worked out that, or maybe if we just did that, that, that. That's why Peter says, by the way, right there in verse 7, casting all your anxiety on him because he cares for you. Surrender. Bringing that place of total surrender of our lives. Then, then you're able to do really the last thing that Peter talks about in this chapter. then. You're able to stand. Here it is. Stand. Do what the enemy doesn't want you to do. Do what the enemy doesn't want you to do. Verse 8. Be of sober spirit. Be on the alert. Your adversary, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion, seeking someone to, what's that next word? Devour. Devour, but resist him, firm in your faith, knowing that the same experiences of suffering are being accomplished by your brethren who are in the world. And after you have suffered for a little while, listen, after you have suffered for a little while, the God of all grace, who called you to his eternal glory in Christ, will himself perfect Confirm, strengthen, and establish you. To him be dominion forever and ever. Amen. Stand. Stand firm. Do what the enemy doesn't want you to do. Listen to me. Peter knows about that in which he speaks. When he begins to talk about the attacks of the enemy, when he begins to describe the devil as this lion... He knows exactly what he's talking about, and I, I absolutely believe it. I can't prove it, but I absolutely believe that as, even as Peter is writing this under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, he has in mind that moment in his life where Jesus warned him. Do you remember this story, Luke chapter 22? He warned him that Satan, Luke chapter 22, verse 31, is desiring to sift you like wheat, Peter. Satan wants to sift you like wheat, and if you're familiar with the story, you know that Peter didn't heed Jesus' warning, did he? He didn't listen. Peter, oh, Peter was, Peter was a proud man. Peter was strong. Peter thought he could handle it. Peter thought his faith was strong enough. Peter thought that, that he, whatever came his way. And you remember, Jesus said to him, Peter, he said, I'll tell you how weak you are. You're so weak that even this very night before the cock crows, you'll deny me. You'll deny me, Peter. Three times you'll deny me. And, of course, that's exactly what happened, isn't it? Peter knows what he's talking about when he gives this warning. Peter's been there. Peter's done that. Listen, it's not by accident that Peter compares uh, Satan's activity and Satan's work in in the world around us and in in our lives. It's not by accident that he compares it to a lion, to a roaring lion. Because, listen, that's what lions do. And the, and the first thing Peter says, he says, man, you better, you better be ready for this. Be of a sober uh, a spirit. Uh, be, be ready for this. Peter knows that that's what lions do. They look for the unprepared. They look for the unexpected. expecting They look for those that, are, that are, are weak. They look for those that are vulnerable. They particularly look for those in the herd or the flock that have become separated from the rest of the herd or the flock. And when the lion finds that one, that that weak one, that unprepared one, that unsuspecting one, he attacks. I'm telling you, this, this 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 is no joke, y'all. This is flat out, all out war. It's real, and you can and you can say, "Wow, Clay and Peter are both being a little over dramatic here." Okay, okay. You keep on thinking that, but don't be all shocked when you and or your family end up as cat chow, because I'm telling you, this is real. In Ephesians chapter 6, a lot of you know this, this, this passage, But the Apostle Paul says, Finally, be strengthened in the Lord and the strength of his power. Clothe yourself with the full armor of God so that you may be able to stand against the schemes of the devil. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the powers, against the world rulers of this darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavens. For this reason, take up the full armor of God, that so you may be able to stand your ground on the evil day, and having done everything to stand. And then he goes on, and he lists those elements of the armor. It may seem kind of strange, Let me rewind this. it may seem kind of strange to tell sheep to stand up to a lion. But you really can and here's how here's how let me give it to you real quick first be alert to the attack be alert to the attack look what uh, Peter says in the first part of verse eight be of sober spirit be on the alert you know what Peter's saying wake up wake up you're so you're just going about your lives you're doing your thing you're living your life you're busy worried about whatever you're crocheting or or what appointment you got to be at or whatever and you don't even realize what's going on around you wake up be alert you have to be ready to be be alert listen if 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 you're at the point in your life where you're trying to raise family raise children be alert to the attacks of the enemy on your family i'm i'm sure most y'all heard this recently this last couple weeks uh, 13-year-old girl who was murdered by a, a freshman at Virginia Tech that she met online on a teenage dating website. Listen to me, parents, let me give you a piece of advice. Mess in your kid's business. Find out what your kids are looking at, listening to, watching, talking to, And when they tell you they hate you, when they tell you you're the worst mom or dad in the world, they tell you that you're ruining their lives, you remind them that they can have all the privacy they want the day they move out from underneath your roof. But until then, you're going to love them enough to see what influences are coming into their lives. Be alert to to the attacks uh, on on your on your marriage, if you're married, be alert to the attacks and listen. It can come in so many ways. It it can be a it can be a person that's become a little too close of a friend at work. It can be a a, a coincidental meeting on a business trip. It can be reconnecting with someone on on Facebook. It it, it can be a, a a a subject or a a stressful situation that comes into your life that builds a wall up between you and your spouse. Listen, he's clever. He's scheming. And you're just gonna, oh, whatever, no, we'll work it out, or we we'll, won't work it out, or we'll. You have to be alert to the attack. Second, uh, here's where he says you got to you got you got to be built up in faith, built up in faith. Look at the latter part of verse eight, I think it is, or the no, first part of verse nine. But resist him firm in your faith. Resist him carries the idea of an intentional uh, uh, defense that you have that you have put down, that you're going to resist these attacks, these schemes that are going to come against you. This roaring lion that's seeking his way into your life, that, into your family, into your home, into your, that you're going to resist that in your life. You got to be built up in your faith. How do you do that? Real quickly, it just takes a little bit of time. One, time in prayer. I wish I had time to elaborate on all these, but it's, it's not rocket science. I think you probably can understand this. There is no substitute for time. There's no substitute for time. There's no substitute for time. Time in prayer. You, you want to you be built up in your faith? You've got to spend time in prayer. And if you... And if you Think in your mind right now how much time on a weekly basis you spend in prayer. You'll probably find a direct correlation between that and where you are spiritually in your life. That's probably just the truth. Time in prayer. Second, time in the Word of God. Those two, hand in glove, they go, it's, it's about this relationship with God. And that comes through prayer. And it time, comes through time in the Word of God. And, and you simply have to do that. That's where the power is. That's where the strength is. That's where the armor of God is, is, is found. It's in time in the Word of God. Third, time to pray. Praise. Nothing, I think, probably drives him more insane, but it's, I also believe nothing uh, creates a, a greater wall of defense against the enemy than to praise God, to just stand up in your life and praise God. No matter what it's like, by the way, easy to praise God when, when it's all smooth sailing, but when the enemy is attacking and it's coming down hard to just to just start singing out the top of your lungs. I don't care who cares or looks or knows or whatever. Just to just start or praise him in your mind. Just there's a time to praise. And that time to praise is when the enemy is attacking. That may sound counterintuitive to our nature, but that's what we have to choose to do. Fourth, time with other believers. There's just no we have to. To, we need each other, not just in here on Sunday mornings, but, but throughout the week. And mentoring one-on-one relationships and, and, and life groups and all those things that become part of our lives, become part of each other's lives, and there's this vested interest in each other's lives. And caring about each other, watching out for each other, and having each other's back. It's time with other believers. You really, really need that. And anything that's pushing that out of the way or to the back burner is a wrong priority. Fourth, a time to rebuke the enemy. There is something. It's not in, not in your strength, but I'm saying that there's a time to say no. My God is big enough. Satan, get behind me, get get away from me. My God is able to do anything, anything I need Him to, do. and I can trust Him. Rebuke. You can rebuke the devil when it, when, that, when those things come against you and all that kind of stuff. You can just you just rebuke him. And then uh, last time to be holy. To just to, to be holy means simply to walk in God's in God's will for your life. That that's really what holiness means—to be separate from 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 the world or what the flesh would want you to do, or whatever to to walk. It doesn't mean perfection, okay? It doesn't mean, but but it means I'm going to walk in holiness. You walk in holiness, it's it's hard for the devil to get a foothold in your life. You understand what I'm saying? If if you're if you uh, if you're off on a business trip and and you've decided to because you're going to walk in holiness, you've decided I, I will I will not stay in a hotel that provides pay-per-view channels that that are not good I will not uh have my dinner in the lounge I, if if you set some things if you i I'm going to walk in holiness it, it's it's hard for the enemy to get in there I'm not saying he gives up I'm not saying it's hard for him to get in there okay uh, uh third be realistic about suffering listen you want to have you want to built up in your faith you got to be realistic about your suffering look at what uh, he says in the last part of verse nine, remember, listen to what Peter's saying now, remember that your family of believers, in our context, it means all the rest of us, remember that your family of believers all over the world is growing, going through the same kind of suffering you are. I truly believe that one of the, one of the main uh, weapons the enemy uses is to try and convince you that you're the only one having to go through what you're going through. You're the only one that's having to experience. You're the only one that's having to suffer. You're the only one that cares about this or nobody else is going through a hard time. It, listen to me. It's a lie. It's a lie. There, there's, this, there's this amazing scene in, uh, in 1 Kings chapter 19 where Elijah, he, he's, he's 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 depressed. He's depressed, because you know, he's tried to stand for God, and he's, he's done all these great things for God, and, and it doesn't seem like uh, nobody else is standing with him, and, and, and nobody else seems to be taking his position, and, and, and he feels like he's coming under all these attacks, and, and, and he looks around, he doesn't see anybody else coming under attacks, and, and he's just he's bummed out about it. He's, he's, de- he's depressed. From Elijah, listen to me, from Elijah's from where Elijah was standing, he couldn't see anybody else in this. But here, here's a good truth that we need to remember in our lives. Elijah, nor you, nor me, stand where God stands. From where God stood, he could see who was still in this. And he said to Elijah, he said, Elijah, there's still 7,000 that have not bent their knee. Listen, you are not alone in this. You're not. And you need to remember that. And then, uh, finally, be looking for victory. Look for it. Expect it. In In the personal events of your life, sure, but also in where this thing is, is leading. Uh, Peter winds this thing up by saying, after you've suffered for a little while. You see, folks, you know, you know what I'm saying? It's perspective, right? And I know it doesn't feel a little while when we're in the middle of it, does it? But in the whole scheme of eternity, uh, the 60, 70, 80, 90 years that you and I are here, you know what I'm saying? Peter seems to have perspective. He says, uh, he says but after you've suffered for a little while, The God of all grace who called you to his eternal glory in Christ will himself, God himself will do this in your lives, ladies and gentlemen. He will perfect or complete. He will confirm. He will strengthen. And he will establish you. Why? Because he is the God of all dominion and power forever and forever. He is big enough. His hand is mighty enough. And all he's saying to you, you can trust him. You can place it under his mighty hand. And watch what he does. You can stand against the enemy. I can't sit here and tell you. How long the attacks of the enemy will be in your life. Maybe some will be resolved. Others will come. But what I can tell you. Is that if you will do this thing God's way. If you will choose to honor God with your life. And decide that you're going to do what, what he says to do. For it is time for judgment to begin with the household of God. And if we submit. And if we. Serve, And if we surrender, we can stand in what he brings for our lives and how he will protect our lives. Listen, your flesh will resist it. The enemy, the devil, will fight against it. The world will not understand it. But the Apostle Paul put it best, Romans chapter 8, verse 31. So what should we say about this? If God is for us, can defeat us.
0: Thanks, Pastor. As God's sheep, there's certainly plenty in today's message to chew on. One of the most powerful images in Pastor Clay's message today was the fact that Peter says that God opposes the proud and those unwilling to humble themselves under God's mighty hand. Simply put, we are to humbly seek to honor God with our lives and seek to help others. As we focus on God's will and meeting the needs of others, our trials and circumstances won't take up as much room in our lives as they often try to do. God can be trusted to be with us through our adversity. We just have to trust Him. How did Pastor Clay put it in today's message? It doesn't make any difference where the events and circumstances of your life come from. It only matters where you place them. We serve a God who has hands big enough and strong enough to hold them all. here each week online for another crosswalk message. God has invited us to know Him through His Word, the Bible, a perfect record of God's revelation to man and applicable to every area of our lives. And if you're in the Raleigh area, we invite you to be a part of cross-culture worship. We meet at 1030 every Sunday morning at the Leesville Road High School, a mile and a half south of I-540, exit 7. Cross-Culture Church. We're a church, but instead of religion, we're about relationships. And instead of rituals, we practice realness. Our desire is to be used by God to show people that a life built on the finished work of Christ on the cross is where you'll find what you're searching for. I'm
1: not the water, I'm not the bread, but I know the place where your soul is fed.
0: Culture Church, a new church for people like you. Learn more about us, who we are, what we're about, what we do, and what we believe. Visit us online at crossculturelife.org.